Here's the lineup on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, we celebrate Pride Month. Not the pride currently being spewed, but H-A-M-C-C Pride. What does that stand for? Details to follow. Number two, Canada mandates individual warning labels on cigarettes and little cigars. Our premium cigars next. Number three, Stalin, Mao, Hitler, Castro, Chavez, Maduro, Khomeini, and now brainless Biden. All dictatorial thugs who had their political opponents arrested on bogus charges. And number four, remembering a childhood TV star from my hometown of Buffalo, New York. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Pure Evil, blended for cigar connoisseurs able to handle a full-flavored cigar loaded with strength, power, and richness. Don't let the name fool you. Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. As I take a sip of my freshly brewed espresso, mm, and I am staring at my Litation cigar selection right now. We are jammed today. Of course, what has taken place the past few days, the indictment of President Donald Trump, is an absolute outrage. And so, too, is the nonsense around Pride Month. I will get to that momentarily, but as always, I extend to you my long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio, always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, save America, hashtag Trump 2024, it is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief, Cigar Dave, front and center from Command Center Alpha in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. First up, Pride Month. You cannot escape it. Everywhere you go, pride this, pride that, the stupid pride flags all over the place. Let me make my position very clear. I don't care what the sexual orientation of a person is. I do not care if they want to bang male, if they're men and want to bang men, if they're women and want to, I don't know how you bang a woman, but, you know, engage in lesbianic love maneuvers. I have no problem. I don't care if they want to bang a goat. I don't care if they want to bang a farm animal. It is not my business. I don't care. If that makes you happy, be my guest. I think everybody should have the right to live their lives, just like I believe you and I as alphas, as cigar connoisseurs, we have the right to enjoy a cigar, to enjoy a libation in peace. I don't want the enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police, coming down my throat and interfering with my ability to enjoy my life. I don't want the government in my bedroom. 
I do not want someone saying, General, you can't have that harem of 32. You can only be monogamous. Who wants that? And frankly, if we can have same-sex marriage, why can't we have multiple partner marriage? As long as you have great prenuptial agreements. I mean, hey, like look in Utah. They have what, 8, 10, 12, 14 wives? No problem. I have no problem with people living their life. What I do have a problem is, and I've said this many times before, when they shove it down our throats, why do they feel the need to have an entire month to celebrate their sexual orientation? We just completed observing Memorial Day about a week and a half ago. One day to remember and memorialize the men and women of our armed forces that paid the ultimate price, that remain forever young on the battlefield to protect our freedoms. They get one day, although I remember them every day, and I'm sure many of you alphas and patriotic Americans do the same thing. We do not take freedom for granted. Although what we're seeing and what we witnessed this week, we are now in a banana republic. I will get to that later. We get one day to memorialize and observe all those men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And yet, people who are LGBTQI, and now it's, it used to be LGB, uh, LGBT, now it's LBGTQ2S+. What the 2S plus stands for, I have no idea, and I could care less. But I don't need someone's sexual orientation shoved down my throat. I don't need a football team or a baseball team or a hockey team or a basketball team or a soccer team to come out in rainbow pride flag uniforms and shove it down our throats. Again, if you are homosexual, enjoy yourself. Be my guest. Just don't hit on me. Live your life. Nobody's saying not to. But this constant need, this desire to shove it down our throats and have these pride parades where we see some of these, uh, these yo-yos in these little banana slings jumping up and down like the village people, I'm sorry. That's not necessary. But an entire month to celebrate someone's sexual orientation? Where's heterosexual pride month? I'll tell you where it is. I just created it. I am pleased to announce that June is Pride Month, but a different Pride Month. It is H-A-M-C-C Pride. What does that stand for? Heterosexual. Alpha Male Cigar Connoisseur Pride. H-A-M-C-C. Heterosexual Alpha Male Cigar Connoisseur. If gays and lesbians and queers and transgenders, quadrigenders, multigenders, quintagenders, if they can all have a month, then so too can all of us as proud heterosexual alpha males and cigar connoisseurs. And in fact, as we sit here right now, as I speak to all of you, I am adding a plus to that. What is the plus going to be? We have heterosexual alpha male cigar connoisseur plus. That means steaks, spirits. In fact, I'm going to put, in fact, plus. Actually, we'll make it CCCC. Heterosexual 
alpha male cigar connoisseur carnivores, and we'll put a plus on there to signify the fact that we also like spirits and we like other life's great pleasures. H-A-M-C-C-C plus pride. How do you like that? And in fact, I already envision the flag, a giant set of alpha male nads, giant titanium testicles that are hanging right from the center of the flag with two cigars crisscross, almost like if you look at the Monte Cristo or the Gurkha, you see the swords. But this way we'll have two cigars. In fact, somewhere along the line, we're going, because we're carnivores, we're going to have to put some steaks or some ribs or some other meat-related items on that flag. H-A-M-C-C-C plus pride. Heterosexual, alpha male, cigar connoisseur, carnivore plus pride month is June. That's the real pride month. Again, I have no problem with whatever people want to do, but we have the right to do so as well. Let me also just bring one thing in. Anthony Bass, now formerly a pitcher with the Toronto Blue Jays, 11 days ago or 12 days ago, he shared an Instagram video in which it basically said to oppose the actions of Target and Bud Light with all their trans and other nonsense. So he basically posted that on Instagram or shared an Instagram video, reposted whatever. Of course, immediate controversy. You can't do that. You're not allowed to express your own opinion. How dare you go against Pride Month? And so the Toronto Blue Jays immediately brought him in, and, and, and you know exactly how it went. You can't do this. We, have, we are inclusive. Great, you can be inclusive and still have your own opinions. If somebody doesn't believe in same-sex marriage or believes that homosexuality is not right, they have the right to believe that. Just like people have the right to say, hey, I want to be homosexual, great, have at it. But we see an interesting dichotomy in this country, that it is okay for gays, lesbians, queers, transgender, quadragender, freaks, it's okay for them to have opinions, but it is not okay for the 95% of other Americans and Canadians who don't follow that lifestyle to have their own opinions. And so Anthony Bass, pitcher for the Blue Jays, brought in, of course, with the team power, the team, you know, big shots. And the next thing you know, he comes out with a video apologizing, saying, I didn't realize my actions, and I do believe that everybody has the right to, to celebrate whatever they want, so on and so forth. And then, and you never apologize. Don't ever apologize. You know I've told you that. If you have an opinion and you believe it, don't apologize. There's no reason to apologize. He didn't do anything that was illegal. He didn't do anything derogatory. He simply said, I believe that by Target going after transgender kids, I think that's a problem. Bud Light with that uh, Dylan Mulvaney, another freak. We don't have to support that. And by the way, Target, I just got to, let me just pull this up. I get multiple because I am uh, involved always looking at the markets and, and various stock-related, hedge fund-related items. I just got this yesterday. Foot traffic and quarterly sales at Target 
In the second quarter, their foot traffic, which is an interesting indicator, how many people are coming in the store, down 9% from the previous quarter. Sales down 5%. Worst, I mean, I'm going back since the first quarter of 2021. Now, it had slowed down in the beginning of 2022 with inflation and other items, but it just tanked in the second quarter of 2023. Foot traffic down 9%. Sales down 5%. You don't think people are, are shopping, are basically saying, we're, gonna, we're just going to avoid Target because of putting the, the, the transgender kids merchandise right up front. I talked to several people who said they've been in Target recently. They said it was dead. Bud Light, sales down, I think, 30%. They're no longer the number one beer in America. A Mexican beer, Modelo, now the number one beer. You think Bud Light's ever coming back? Negative. Oh, and by the way, Garth Brooks. Look, I'm not a country music fan. If you're a country music fan, what do I always say? To each his own. If you enjoy it, wonderful. Not my cup of tea. Not my thing. I'm not into the cowboy boots and into the hats and into the twang and, you know. What's the old joke? If you play a country music song backward, you get your wife back, your dog back, and your house back. Oh, and your car back, too, or your pickup truck back. Not, not my thing, but many people do. More, more power to you. But Garth Brooks, very well, very big, popular country music star, he basically said anybody that's boycotting Bud Light are assholes. That's what he said. How do you think that's going to go over? You think that his audience, many of whom are... American pickup truck driving, country music fan, MAGAs, you think they're just going to say, okay, he's calling us an asshole. We're going to continue buying his music and going to his concert. Big mistake. He's finished. But Anthony Bass, pitcher for the Blue Jays, has to make an apology on video. And then to make, to rub salt in the wound... The higher-ups, including general manager Ross Atkins of the Toronto Blue Jays, comes out and says that Anthony Bass, on the opening pitch, the ceremonial first pitch for Pride Night in Toronto, I think it's still called the Rogers Center, I think, I don't know what they call it, whatever stadium they play in, that the catcher... The honorary catcher would be Anthony Bass. So what they're doing is like a little puppy. They're going to take his snout, his nose, and rub it in the shit. Rub it in his poo. That's exactly what I would have told them to go screw themselves. And, of course, the Blue Jays get more heat. The next thing you know, yesterday designated for assignment, and then he was released. But don't feel badly because Anthony Bass is going to get the remainder of his $3 million salary. By the way, that's in U.S. dollars, not funny money Canadian. I think the exchange rate now is, what, 23%, 25%? They're paid, all players are paid in U.S. dollars. So he'll get, wherever he lives, he'll get to go back home, rest his arm. He wasn't having a great season. Chill out. Get his $3 bucks, and then come back next year. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I guarantee you, somebody next year will pick him up. Somebody with balls. They will pick him up. But this is just outrageous to me. And the moral of the story, don't ever apologize. I saw a video where the San Francisco Police Department raised the one American flag, and they must have had 20 pride flags, you know, the rainbow-colored multi-flags, 
and they were saluting the flags, the, the pride flags. This country has gone crazy. What, what, what do gays represent? Gays, lesbians, transsexual, all the LGBTQ, 5%. Let's just say it's 10%. Wonderful. Say congratulations. Enjoy your sexuality, but there's no reason to have a month to celebrate it. But if they are, then we are taking our own action. And next June, you can be sure I'm going to get these flags made. I'm going to get caps made. H-A-M-C-C-C plus pride. Heterosexual, alpha male, cigar connoisseur, carnivore, plus symbolizes spirits and grilling and, and wine and beer. Pride. I am absolutely proud to be a 100% USDA certified heterosexual alpha male. Yes, I like hot dames. Yes, I like my harem. And I'm not going to apologize. But it seems today that if you are a straight heterosexual male, then you are persona non grata. They would rather, companies would rather have somebody that's, that's got three genders, that responds to multiple, you know, zhuzhur, I mean, these pronoun bullshit everywhere you go around, it has gone over the top. I don't celebrate LGBTQ+, 2+, 2S Pride Month. I proudly celebrate, and so do you, H-A-M-C-C-C plus Pride, heterosexual, alpha male, cigar connoisseur, carnivore Pride. And I'm very happy to walk around with my head held high and say, yes, I am a proud heterosexual alpha male that loves cigars and loves my steak and loves my meat. You want to come near my cigars? You want to come near my harem? You want to come near my booze? You want to come near anything that I enjoy? You better stay away because I'm not going to tolerate any interference, period. So we celebrate the real Pride Month, H-A-M-C-C-C plus Pride. And whatever your sexual orientation is, great, wonderful, do your thing. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. But we don't need a month for people to jump up and down and proclaim their sexuality. But if as long as it's here, H-A-M-C-C-C plus Pride will continue to be in June, and we will become the number one Pride month or Pride uh, 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 genre, if you will, during the month of June. Now, let's stay up in Canada, eh? Since we talked about the Toronto Blue Jays, eh? And their ball is... You've got to remember one thing about Canadians. And I love... Listen, I've got... I grew up in Buffalo, right across from Canada. I used to go over to Canada all the time for dinner. Got relatives in Canada. Got friends in Canada. But overall, when you look at Canadians, they're very passive. They're very pacifist. They're, they're more beta than Americans. Now, there are pockets of alphas. I have met them. I have gone to cigar lounges, cigar bars up in Canada. They're alpha. We have many listeners that came to our events in Buffalo when we did them. I'm not talking about them. They're the alphas. They know who they are. And they've all told me, they go, General, it is not easy being an alpha in a beta-dominated country. I mean, look at, look at, uh, look at Trudeau. When you look at Justin, or I call him Justine Castro Trudeau, because his father is Fidel Castro, look that up, look at the similarities, how they look at the same age. His father was shooting blanks, from what we understand. And uh, uh, his mother used to, uh, you know, enjoy the sexual liaisons, apparently, of others while being married. 
So when we look at Justine Castro Trudeau, he's a pussy. He's a beta. The way he sits, the way he crosses his legs. I'll never forget one time he was sitting in the Oval Office and President Trump's sitting there, alpha. And then you've got Trudeau with his arms folded, his legs crossed like a woman. And I said, man, does this guy scream pussy? But Canada, overall, less alpha than Americans. Canadians, there's, there's no doubt about it. And when we look at what is going on in Canada, in terms of cigars, other tobacco, it is restrictive. You cannot walk into a cigar, a cigar lounge or cigar store into a walk-in humidor by yourself. You must be accompanied. You cannot touch the cigars until they're purchased. And now they have these obscene giant warning labels on the box, which is just out of control. It's ridiculous. Well, the Canadian Health Ministry on World No Tobacco, I didn't even know that May 31st was World No Tobacco Day. You know what? On May 31st, I think I had a cigar to celebrate. The health minister, Carolyn Bennett, announced the final implementation beginning August 1st of this year that requires labeling the tipping paper of individual cigarettes, little cigars, tubes, and other tobacco products. So there will not just be a warning label on a box, a giant warning label that has to cover three quarters of the entire box. There will now be individual warning labels on cigarettes, little cigars, and tubes. Now, right now, premium cigars are exempt. But do you think that's going to last long? How soon before we see the FUDA here in the United States say, gee, Canada does it? What a great idea. Let's add it to premium cigars. Now, the good news is the premium cigar industry has won some court battles. And right now, depending on what happens with the FUDA, premium cigars may be exempt from regulation. We don't know. Still... A lot of unknowns. This has been going on for years and years. But do not think for a millisecond that some health bureaucrat, some enemy of pleasure, some member of the pleasure police up in the Washington swamp is not looking at Canada saying, that's a wonderful idea. Let's do that here in the United States. And let's also put, it's in fact, it's easier to put it on premium cigars because premium cigars are larger than cigarettes and little cigars. What a wonderful idea. Be on the lookout. We must be vigilant. The last thing I want to do is smoke a wonderful cigar that has some stupid warning label imprinted onto the wrapper leaf. I'm looking at my West Tampa tobacco white cigar that my good buddy Rick Rodriguez, he founded the company, and I'll tell you during the litation ceremony about the background of the company and the background of the cigar, an event I did this week where the cigar was a huge hit. But I'm looking at this band. It's beautiful. I'm looking at this cigar, the leaf, the oiliness, the sheen, the aroma. It is magnificent. The last thing I want to see is some cockamamie warning label imprinted into the wrapper. We do not need that. We are adults. We are certainly aware that everything should be enjoyed in moderation. I have never once on this show said, go out and smoke 20 cigars a day. Most cigar connoisseurs smoke one to two premium cigars per week. That's it. 
Even people ask me, General, how many cigars a day do you smoke? I see here at your office at Command Center Alpha, you've got the humidor in your studio, humidor 1A. You're surrounded by cigars. You've got a, a walk-in humidor at the Pleasure Palace. How, you must smoke five, ten cigars a day. And my answer is no. Most of the week, I'll smoke maybe one, two cigars. If I don't have time, this week I was traveling, I do not have time to smoke cigars. I won't smoke a cigar for the sake. It's not like a cigarette. You know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. We enjoy cigars in moderation. I had one during an event at the Florida Broadcasters Convention. I'll tell you about that during the litation ceremony. And I'm going to have one now. That's it for the week. The rest of the week I was traveling. I was busy. I was in seminars, meetings. It's not like a cigarette where I have to go outside between breaks and light up a cigar. We smoke cigars for the pleasure, for the aroma, for the taste, for the, for the relaxation. We don't smoke cigars for nicotine. Now, when we come back, I will conduct the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. Got this beautiful West Tampa white cigar. I'll tell you about the background, tell you a few other things. And then later on in the show, we will get to the travesty that took place against the 45th and soon-to-be 47th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. It is an absolute disgrace. It is an outrage. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. And I am so ready after what took place with the bullshit indictment of President Trump, 37 nonsensical counts, I am ready to enjoy a fine, relaxing cigar. And the cigar that I'm selecting is the West Tampa Tobacco Company White. Now, Rick Rodriguez, longtime friend. I knew him when he was a sales rep at General Cigar. Then he worked his way up, became the, the ambassador and one of the master blenders for CAO cigars and really catapulted CAO and decided about a year ago that he wanted to go out on his own. And he always had this dream. And I know Rick very well. He always talked to me about it. His grandparents in the 50s emigrated from Havana, Cuba. They were both cigar rollers, immigrated to Tampa and settled in West Tampa. And they rolled cigars in one of the West Tampa cigar factories. There are two primary areas that manufactured uh, cigars in the cigar city of Tampa. Ybor City, which most people know. Vicente Martinez Ybor brought the cigar industry first from Havana to Key West and Key West to Tampa and then West Tampa 
And in fact, when you travel West Tampa, you can see all the old cigar factories, the red brick buildings. And Rick always had this dream that he wanted to name a company cigar after his grandparents. Some Something paying tribute. So he created West Tampa Tobacco Company, established 2022. And for the first cigar, he created a beautiful cigar made in Nicaragua, the white. The West Tampa white, clean, it is crisp, it is mild to medium, it uses a Ecuadorian Habano, what they call light pink wrapper, Ecuadorian Habano binder, and it uses Ometepe Seco, Jalapa Seco, and Pueblo Nuevo Viso, so Nicaraguan. And Ometepe is from the volcanic island, and it adds just a very unique flavor. It comes in three sizes, a Robusto, a Grande, which is 6 by 60 a Magnum, and the Toro, which I have pulled out right now. Six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge, meaning 52, 64, 7 inch. Suggested retail on these cigars go between $8.99 for the Robusto, $9.99 for the Toro that I have in my hand, and for the Gigante, which is a Magnum, $10.99. It is a beautiful cigar. Notes of creaminess, a little bit of smoothness, just a tad bit of spice. So every year for the Florida Association of Broadcasters annual convention, this year it was in Orlando at the Four Seasons beautiful hotel, on the first night, we have a big cigar night, and there are VIPs, government officials. It is the hit of the convention. I kid you not. And this, I always try to feature a cigar that has Tampa roots. So I called Rick, and I said, look, Rico, Rico Suave as I call him, we're doing this event. I would love to feature your cigars. He goes, General, I'm in. So we had the white which was a humongous hit because most people that attend these want a mild to medium bodied cigar. But we also featured the black, which is more of a medium to full flavored cigar. People love that as well. But I would say three quarters of the attendees wanted the white and then the remainder wanted the black. Of course, People just rave. Now, several people came up to me during the event, and they said, General, I only smoke a Camacho Maduro or a Camacho Connecticut. Great cigars, I said. Beautiful sticks. You can't go wrong. I love those two cigars. Then they said, you know what? I smoke uh, this particular. I smoke this from Rocky. Okay, great. I said, then you are going to love this cigar because it has the same flavor complexion. It's mild to medium, a lot of flavor, a lot of personality. It's not gonna overpower you, but it's very pleasant. There were three women from the Florida Division of Emergency Management that had never smoked a cigar before. They came out and said, you know, I'm really interested. Of course, I cut everybody's cigars, I toast them. I am the host with the most. And they said, you know, we've always wondered about trying, can you, can we try one? I'm sure, sure, no problem. These ladies, after I guided them, showed them how to cut it, which I did, showed them how to properly toast the cigar, puff and rotate, taking their time, puff once a minute, don't inhale, just relax, savor the experience, don't be in a rush. They smoked those cigars all the way down. They loved them. And they said, General, these were great. I said, take one of these back for the road. They had become cigar connoisseurettes. It's a beautiful thing. They absolutely loved it. And I told them, they're all single. They said, General, this is great. Where, where, do, we, where do we meet men that are alphas that, that smoke cigars? I go, well, you find a cigar lounge or a steakhouse or a restaurant 
where on the patio they allow cigars, always go to places where men smoke great cigars and drink great whiskey or bourbon. And they said, we never thought about that. I said, well, you got to think about it. Because now you are set up, and if you smoke a cigar, you are in with these gentlemen, with these alphas. My job was done. But everybody had a wonderful time, people going crazy about the cigars. Most, I mean, I had people coming back saying, you know, I love this white. I think I want to try the black. I said, sure, no problem. So went till about uh, late wee hours of the morning. It was absolutely fantastic. So I've got the West Tampa tobacco white in my hot little hand. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. I've got the Cigar Dave R&D Welder's Torch. This looks like a welder's torch, giant jet flame, huge tank. Also looks like a grenade in my hand. That's what I will use today. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this West Tampa Tobacco White. Now, if you go to their website, westtampatobacco.com, you will find a store guide where you can purchase these cigars. There's also some of the online retailers, mail order that carry these as well. And you're going to see these in more and more stores because Rick is out there, his daughter's out there, family operation. He's got his uh, buddy Gus, formerly of General Cigar. They're making it happen. It's indeed a great cigar, and I think there's going to be bigger and better things coming from Rick Gus and West Tampa Tobacco. These are great sticks. They're always on the hunt for new, exciting cigars, new blends. And Rick has promised me that I will be amongst the first in the world to try those. Let me puff and rotate now. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. My job is done. My Tampa, West Tampa White, mm, is properly lit. When we come back, don't get me started. I can tell you right now, my blood pressure is going to rise when we talk about the assault on President Donald Trump. I have never, never would have thought that in the history of the United States of America, we would see what we saw take place on Thursday and Friday. Gurkha has long been the king when it comes to opulent, grandly made cigars. And the new Gurkha Pure Evil more than lives up to that legacy. Gurkha originally launched the Pure Evil 15 years ago as a limited edition cigar. They went back to their blend vault. They tweaked the blend to add more flavor, more complexity. The result is a Gurkha Pure Evil that is loaded with flavor, full body, Full notes of riches. Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Don't let the name fool you. The Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Stalin, Mao, Hitler, Castro, Chavez, Maduro, Khomeini. Now we add Joe Braindead Biden. 
all dictatorial thugs who use their political power, weaponize their power, and through their political opponents, first of all, they had them arrested and then threw them in jail on bogus charges. We are seeing that today. Jack Smith, the prosecutor, Merrick Garland, Biden, they're all unscrupulous. They are all disgrace, a disgrace to the Constitution and to this republic. And by the way, I tweeted out after the indictments were handed down, I tweeted out several items that I would like to share with all of you because they are appropriate after what we have seen, the absolute disgrace, the abuse of power. The first thing that I tweeted out, a quote from Thomas Jefferson, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. We are at that point. The tree of liberty absolutely must be refreshed. We have in this country, going back since Woodrow Wilson, 1917, around there, which is, by the way, was the start of the, where they launched the uh, Espionage Act, essentially to muzzle any criticism of entering World War I or participation in World War I. Woodrow Wilson was the guy that introduced the income tax. He was horrible. Absolute ultra-liberal leftist. And when we trace this country's move at times to the left, Marxism, communism, you can start with Woodrow Wilson. But over the last, really, right after World War II, mid-50s, early to mid-50s, we saw a rise in communism. And now we're seeing Marxism, communism, socialism. The Democrat Party is now, they're Marxist. Make no mistake. To them, the ends justify the means. If they must trample on the Constitution, so be it. If they must create a bullshit narrative hoax that a president is in the pocket of a foreign country, such as they did with President Trump with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, it just the ends justify the means. When we saw the head of the FBI, the CIA, the president, the vice president, when we see top officials engage in a blatant misuse of government authority, politicizing the justice system, the intelligence agencies against a duly elected president, this country is on the brink. Make no mistake. And what they have done, I remember there was a line from the movie Torah, 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 which is uh, about the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor. And one of the uh, uh, Japanese naval men who was on the bridge with the admiral or the captain of the ship said something, and the admiral or the captain said, I fear we have just awoken a sleeping giant. Same thing with the indictment of President Trump. Now, notice how the supporters of Trump, Republicans, conservatives, independent supporters, they didn't go to the streets Notice how they didn't uh, destroy buildings like Antifa and all those idiots wearing pussy hats did when President Trump was inaugurated. 
We didn't see them destroying buildings. We didn't see them marching in the streets, setting fire to buildings. That only happens with the leftists. But the other tweet that I sent out was this. First American Civil War, Union versus Confederacy, 1861 to 1865. Second American Civil War, American Patriots versus Marxist, Democrat, corrupt enemies of America. 2023 until question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Now, will this civil war, the second civil war, look like the first? No. It will be highly different. But make no mistake, we are in a civil war. And it was started by the enemies of America who are politicizing and using the government institutions, the Department of Injustice, a corrupt appointed special counsel, Jack Smith, stories about him left and right. And what you have to remember about these prosecutors, to them, this is, they they want to win at all costs. They do not care. They will take a law and they will, if the law says you you cannot do this, they will say, well, you know, we can interpret it that you can't do this, 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 and this. They expand it numerous times. The Supreme Court has come down on these prosecutors that have exceeded their authority. In fact, Jack Smith went to prosecute the former governor of Virginia for taking gifts, saying, oh, they're illegal, they're, they're, they're bribed, so on and so forth. He was convicted. It went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court overruled the lower court and overruled the prosecution. Jack Smith ate to nothing in a unanimous verdict. How many unanimous verdicts do we see from this civil or for this Supreme Court? Not many. We saw one not too long ago, but very few. What does that tell you? When both conservative and liberal justices say this prosecutor went way overboard, but didn't matter because they destroyed a man's life. They destroyed his livelihood in the interim. We saw the same thing with Enron and Arthur Anderson when he had uh, uh, Andrew Weissman. An absolute, ruthless, enemy of America prick that said, I'm going to destroy everything. Oh, and by the way, the Supreme Court overruled him too. Never fails. Everybody has gone into a conniption fit. Oh, what president did, stealing, docking these documents. And before I get to that, let me just tell you one thing. I actually took out a number of times someone locally who was a state's attorney. She prosecuted numerous cases, primarily criminal, did a lot of DUI, did other things. And I remember, and by the way, she did not make the cut to be added to the harem. But I'll never forget talking to her at dinner, talking to her over cocktails. All she was fixated on was winning. She didn't give a shit if she destroyed people's lives in the process. She was telling me about a case she had. Oh, I'm going to go after this guy and this, this, and this. I said, well, what did he do? Well, he was, he was, you know, it was DUI. Okay. How, how much over? I mean, barely over. Barely. No other convictions, no other criminal activity. And I said, so you're going to destroy this guy, his family, his livelihood, For somebody that in however many years never had a criminal, never had a speeding ticket. That's what I do. That's when I knew this broad was fucking nuts. 
And we see that with many prosecutors. They don't care. They want, it, they want a conviction at any cost. I mean, you look at Andrew Weissman, this Jack Smith. These people are criminals themselves. They abuse their power to, the, uh, to a tremendous degree. And they don't care who they hurt in the process. And they don't care if they break laws. Because remember, the government has unlimited resources. You get screwed. You have to mortgage your house. You have to get a fund going. I mean, it is just obscene. And on Friday, a 37-count indictment. United States of America versus Donald J. Trump and Waltine Nauda, who was his body man or his valet. Bullshit. All bullshit charges. And let me tell you why. First of all, the number of TV people that we see that are clueless, that have no idea what the laws are. It really is amazing to me when I watch even network news, how stupid, what do we say, half of America, if not more, are stupid, how dumb they really are. Not one of them cracked open the law to say, what is the Presidential Records Act law? What does that allow a former president to do and not to do? Do you think any of them read the 99-page indictment? I did. I got it right here. I'm looking at it as we speak. Now, in this indictment, 37 charges, 37 counts. But they did not use the Presidential Records Act. They used, really, an archaic act that had absolutely the Espionage Act of 1917 that does not apply in this case. So... I'm listening a few days ago. I hear Ainsley Earhart on Fox and Friends. And she looks at one of the, I don't know if it was one of the attorneys or somebody and says, well, why did President Trump, why did he have to take all those things? Why didn't he just give them back? Again, dumb broad that has no idea what the Presidential Records Act entails. So let me educate all of you because all you've heard, all you've heard primarily from the talking heads on the, the uneducated talking heads on these network news shows, especially BSDNC and the Crap News Network, the Washington Compost New York Slime, all you've heard is, oh, this is very, these are serious. These are tremendously serious charges. Oh, he is, he is, he is accused of, of, of maintaining records. He's in, accused of, of espionage. Are you kidding me? The president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, the man, the president that did more for America than any other president, easily in the top three presidents, top four presidents in our history. And in the last 50 years, 60 years, by far, the even, I'm telling you, Ronald Reagan, I love Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump blew him away. But the nonsense, the, the, the bullshit charges that they used classified documents retained after his presidency. I mean, just false statements, uh, obstruction of justice. There is a very simple law that states, actually, a binding 2019 Justice Department legal opinion that says it's legally impossible to obstruct an investigation into a non-crime. So let's say there's no crime. 
There's no crime, but they come in and say, well, we want to talk to you. We th- that's why you should never talk to the FBI, especially this politicized, weaponized FBI. But they come in and say, hey, we want to just talk to you about this. And there's no crime. They say, yep, but you obstructed justice because you didn't give us truthful answers or you lied. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna charge you on that. You charge them on process crimes. That's the oldest, oldest pl- trick in the book. Well, if we can't get them on anything, let's get them on obstruction of justice. When you have nothing, what do you do? You pile on the obstruction of justice and lying to the FBI. That's the oldest trick in the book. But let's talk about the Presidential Records Act. It was enacted in 1978. What does it say? What does it mean? Because most of these dumb TV talking heads and these supposed experts are clueless. Specifically, and I'm going to go through this, because the one thing about the Cigar Dave Show audience are alpha males. And we have many females that listen too. You are educated. You are knowledgeable. You possess tremendous common sense. You are up to date on current events. You operate in facts, not fiction. So let's talk about what the Presidential Records Act, the PRA of 1978 says. It established public ownership of all presidential records and defines the term presidential records. Requires the VP records be treated in the same way as presidential records. Places the responsibility for the custody and management of incumbent presidential records with the president. Requires that the president and his staff take all practical steps to file personal records separately from presidential records. Now that is an important item. There are two types of records that are identified in the Presidential Records Act. Presidential records, which go to the archives, and personal records, which any president may legally take. If he deems a letter, an item, uh, anything to be personal, he may take it, even if it is confidential, even if it is classified. He may take it. End of discussion. Now, there, have been, there was a court case back in 2010 that was settled in 2012. I'll get to that in a moment. But essentially, this Presidential Records Act basically states that any incumbent presidential records, whether textual or electronic, held on courtesy storage by the archivist, remain in the exclusive legal custody of the president and that any request or order for access to such record must be made to the president, not to the National Archives or the National Archives and Records Administration. It also goes out and say, uh, says how certain items may be held confidential, how they, how they address Freedom of Information Act, and so on and so forth. But it states very clearly there are two types of records. The president is responsible for maintaining all the records. When he leaves office, any personal records are his. The law states it very clearly. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Barack Obama took over 3 million personal records with him. They still remain with him to this day. Now, he's told the archivist, yep, I'll get some of them back to you. Anything that I see that happened, maybe presidential records, that hasn't happened. Bill Clinton took records, and in fact, in a sock drawer, he, st- he stored some recordings made back 
in uh, while he was president. He took those with him. And that's very important because there was a legal challenge to that. And the president said, those are my personal records. There was a case filed by Judicial Watch where they wanted to unseal those. They said that pursuant to a Freedom of Information Act in 2010 to the Clinton Library and Presidential Museum, they wanted access to the Clinton audio tapes from his time as president. Now, the case ended up going to court. U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia, Judge Amy Berman Jackson, a liberal, a Democrat, appointed by Clinton. She ruled. Here's what she said. Under the statutory scheme established by the Presidential Records Act, the PRA, the decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in his sole discretion. NARA, the record, the, the, the archives, could not make a classification decision different from that of the president. Since the president is completely entrusted with the management and even the disposal of presidential records during his time in office, it would be difficult for this court to conclude that Congress intended that he would have less authority to do what he pleases with what he considers to be his personal records. The PRA, this is from the court case. This is from the judge's decision. The PRA contains no provision obligating or even permitting the archivist to assume control over records that the president categorized and filed separately as personal records. At the conclusion of the president's term, the archivist only assumes responsibility for the presidential records. She goes on to say that the audio tapes that President Clinton retained were personal in nature. Thus, she was denying Judicial Watch's Freedom of Information request. It says the PRA does not confirm any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, this responsibility is left solely to the president. Let me sum that up in a nutshell. The PRA, the Presidential Records Act, says very clearly... There are two types of records, presidential records and personal records. The president may take any item during his presidency he deems to be personal, whether it's one page, one million pages, whether it's a newspaper article, whether it's a letter from Kim Jong-un, whatever he gets during his time in office. He may take any of those records, deem them personal, and by law, he has the right to retain them even if they contain classified materials. Nowhere in the PRA does it say where the records must be stored, the personal records, how they must be stored. In fact, George W. Bush stored his records, rented in a strip center. Barack Obama's got them in some warehouse. Clinton, I think, in his library. The PRA, which has jurisdiction over these records that were brought with the president after he left the uh, White House to Mar-a-Lago, those are his, solely his. He may do what he wants with them. End of discussion. 
Yet, what did we see the corrupt special counsel do? He indicted President Trump, not under the Presidential Records Act, which, by the way, supersedes the Espionage Act because Congress specifically did not say that certain elements in the Presidential Records Act will be superseded by the Espionage Act. If you enact a new law, the most current law, if there's two conflicting items, the most current law takes precedence. The Espionage Act, again, was initially used, created to silence those who oppose or did oppose World War I. Many of the parts were gutted by the Supreme Court. Now, there's also a sedition part of the, of the act that, that, that was added later on. So the special prosecutor, knowing that President Trump had every right to maintain those records, to take those records, to keep those records how he pleases, where he pleases, without it, if he wants to keep them, Right out front in the Mar-a-Lago backyard or in the front yard or backyard, he may do so. There is nothing in the PRA that states where they have to be maintained, that they even have to be locked up. Doesn't say anything. But Trump was indicted 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information and six counts related to obstruction, conspiracy, and concealing documents in a federal investigation. He filed that, Jack Smith, the corrupt prosecutor, under the Espionage and Sedition Act, not the Presidential Records Act. The same Presidential Records Act that President Bush I, Clinton, Bush II, George W., Obama, Trump, they all, President Ford, or actually Ford, this uh, took place after that. Every single President Reagan, every single president took personal records based upon this law, the Presidential Records Act. So the prosecutor says, we can't prosecute. He's, he has the legal right to do it. Ah, let's try to push the boundaries of this by saying, well, he took willful retention of national defense information. Never mind that Trump declassified much of it, and never mind that if it's a personal record, even if it is classified, the PRA says the president may take that, period. And by the way, we have in this country, numerous government officials have said the, the amount of classification of documents is overkill. Records and documents that should be unclassified are classified, highly classified, top secret, tremendously top secret. It's like everything, everybody wants to feel important, so let's put everything in as a classified document. One of the former government officials said probably 70%, 80% of the documents that are now classified top secret should be clearly unclassified. So this is nothing but a bullshit charge. When you have nothing under the Presidential Records Act, let's use the Espionage, uh, Espionage Act of 1917. Do you think President Trump is engaged in espionage? Did he take any of that information that he has and sell it? And people say, oh, it was, it was not stored securely at Mar-a-Lago. Are you kidding me? You've got Secret Service protection 24-7 around the perimeter, inside the building, within the building. I mean, everywhere around the building. 
And club members may not bring their cell phones. They can't take pictures. And the way they showed these documents, oh, these are documents that were in the one ballroom, whatever, makes no difference where he kept them. The president had the legal right to take those personal items, those documents and items he deemed personal, take them with him. Now, he didn't take that many. I don't know how many boxes there were, 150. Biden took 1,500 more, 1,600 boxes while he was a senator and vice president. Oh, by the way, there is no vice presidential records act. The vice president may not take anything. A senator may, may not take anything that's classified. Biden took all these records with him. Some are in Chinatown. Some are in an office in Washington. Some are in in, uh, University of Pennsylvania. Some are in Delaware. Some are in his garage. He had no authority, and yet we have heard boo. Not a peep, not a whisper about what took place with Biden taking all those records. Pence took those, took numerous records, including uh, records that were classified. Oh, he gave them back, no problem. He had no right to take those. The president is the only member of government that may take whatever he or she wants as long as they deem them personal. So when Jack Smith, the corrupt prosecutor, Merrick Garland, said, hey, listen, we know, and, and this goes right to Biden. Biden knows he won in a fraudulent election. He knows it. Every Democrat knows it. And the Democrats are all worried now for several reasons. Number one, people have seen what two years under brain-dead Biden is like. Everything just turns to shit. They realize that under Trump, we had peace, we had prosperity. We weren't shuffling billions every month. Another $2 billion, by the way, yesterday went to uh, Ukraine. We didn't shuffle billions into these endless wars. We don't have a president that's on the verge of getting us into World War III. President said we're not going into wars. We're not going to invade. There's no reason. And President Trump had the alpha male aura that if he told Putin and he told Zelensky, you better cut this shit out, cut this nonsense out, not going to happen, it didn't happen and it wouldn't have happened. And he's right. In 24 hours when he gets back in office, he will end that war. But what we see now with this incredibly weaponized bullshit prosecution, these charges. Biden knows he cannot beat Trump at the ballot box. And now he knows that the Republicans are on to the games that were played two years ago. They were on to ballot harvesting. Now the Republicans, they know they have to ballot harvest. And by the way, I'm at the point where if Democrats print illegal ballots, if they print half a million illegal ballots and throw them in in Pennsylvania or in in Michigan, I say the Republicans should print 2 million. Play them at their own game. Get nasty, get dirty, get vicious. Now in states where you can ballot harvest, we're going to play the same game. We're going to have the same, same deal that the Democrats do. And once the Democrats say, oh, we can't win at this illegal game, oh, we need to change the law. You watch. He knows he can't beat Trump legitimately, He knows the Republicans now, and many of the Republican and MAGAs in the various states, he knows that they are on to what took place during COVID with the the mail-in ballot shenanigans and all the other nonsense. So he says, the only way I can beat Trump 
is to is to is to get an indictment on him, get him hamstrung. Now we've got Bragg in New York with bullshit charges. We've got in Georgia they're talking. This is all a concerted effort. Now, these charges are being will be tried in Miami. Miami is different than in the swamp cesspool of the District of Columbia where 99% of people are ultra-liberal Marxist Democrats. Most of them are employed by the deep state and the administrative state. Now, there are, I've noticed a number of attorneys have said there is a motion because this does not fall under the Espionage Act. This all falls under the Presidential Records Act. They should immediately file for a summary judgment or there's some other motions that they can file saying this should be thrown out. And by the way, those six charges on obstruction, conspiracy, concealing documents, when there is no law broken, which there wasn't under the Presidential Records Act, you can't be obstructing justice. There is no conspiracy, and you're not concealing documents. And basically, the FBI had absolutely no right to go in there and say, well, we want these documents, and we, oh, by the way, we want to have these locked up. They had no right to do it. The president is the ultimate arbiter of what is presidential and what is personal. Even if the documents are classified, he may take them with them. And now, really what they were after was all the redacted, the unredacted documents in the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, where it lays out who did what. Comey, Clinton, Brennan, Clapper, Biden, Obama, Susan Rice, they're all guilty. And let's not forget Strzok, McCabe, all the other clowns that were involved. That's what they were after. They wanted the unredacted. So they went in there with one goal in mind. We've got to get, we've got to get this and we've got to destroy it. And why are they so worried about President Trump also becoming the 47th president? Because now the cat is out of the bag. The president knows the FBI is corrupt, the CIA is corrupt, the Department of Justice is corrupt. And he's going to come in with one fell swoop and basically eliminate all the nonsense. Going to get rid of all the corruption at those agencies and in the intel community. And then... They're going to go after all those that participated in a bloodless coup of President Trump. They fear that. Comey basically said, we can't allow him to, to get back in there. I mean, he could do some dangerous things. Yeah, meaning arrest uh, Comey the legal way and prosecute him with all the evidence that is now available. I love when the Democrats say, we can't elect Republicans or the president or, or Trump because this is a threat to democracy. The real I find it amazing. Talk about projection. Everything they accuse Trump and the Republicans of, they are the ones doing. Threatening the democracy, we have never had in the history of this country, never had an American president ever be arrested. It's never happened. 247 years of this country, we have never had a former president locked up, sent to jail. We now are no different than Nicaragua, Cuba, Venezuela, 
Iran, Nazi Germany, Communist China, Soviet Union. No different whatsoever. And the next time Biden wants to open his mouth and criticize another country for rigged elections or corrupt elections, I suggest he shut the F up. He has no moral basis when he has violated the sacrosanct mantra that this country has always lived by, and that is we do not politicize or weaponize our political system against political opposition. He crossed the Rubicon. President Trump is absolutely innocent. These talking heads on television are beyond clueless. They have no idea what they're talking about. Most of them, all all they know is what they read on a teleprompter. They don't read laws. They don't read books. They are clueless. And this is for all the networks, all the first thing, oh, this is serious. Oh, this is terrible. And when I hear Adam Shitty Schiff say, oh, it's very clear from this. This is horrible. And, 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 and Manatee Chris, uh, Christie, who's going to run on the Manatee or the Whale Party, saying, oh, I've been a, a prosecutor and I looked at this. These are very, very serious charges. No, they're not. They're bogus, trumped up, pardon the pun, trumped up charges. The Espionage, uh, espionage Act, please. This should be thrown out by the judge pronto. A motion should be made and she should say, the Espionage Act doesn't apply here. It's very simple. It is the Presidential Records Act. And if this ever does get up to the Supreme Court, you can be sure they will vote, even the libs, the Presidential Records Act controls presidential and personal records. I will guarantee you, In Miami, first of all, if this does go to trial, I don't think it should. I think a judge, the judge in this case, should look at this after the motion. All charges should be dismissed. Again, repeating, there there was no breaking of the law under the Presidential Records Act, which covers these the, the, the records. The Espionage Act is bogus. They're really extending that to try to create a law was broken when it was not. And then to add obstruction, conspiracy, concealing documents. Again, the 2019 Justice Department legal opinion says it is legally impossible to obstruct an investigation into a non-crime. Throw those out too. All should be thrown out. And if they're not, let's hope in Miami they get a jury of six Cubans and six Venezuelans. Do you want to know why? All of them came from socialist dictatorial uh, countries. They see what's going on. They see exactly what's happening. They don't want socialism. They don't want communism. And they certainly don't want a politicization or a weaponization of political opponents. That took place all too often in the countries from which they came. Cuba, Venezuela. Because I can tell you, a jury would vote 12 nothing, even if this should go to trial. I don't think it will. That is my personal opinion. But they want a hamstrung Trump. They uh, hamstring Trump. They want to make so that he cannot campaign. This is how worried they are about President Trump running for re-election. They know all these people that say, oh, Trump can't win. He can win the, the Republican nominee. He can't win the general. Bullshit. Baloney. The administrative liberal Marxist state, the corrupt Biden administration, the regime wouldn't be taking the steps they're taking. 
if they didn't believe they were in serious trouble. I stand with President Donald J. Trump. Finally, let me take just a moment to remember a childhood TV star from my hometown of Buffalo, New York. When I was a kid growing up in Buffalo, there was a show every afternoon. You'd come home from school, grade school, that started, I think, around 4 o'clock and went to about 5 o'clock. It was called The Commander Tom Show. And it was hosted by Commander Tom. Now, as a kid, we revered Commander Tom. And they played, they had Superman, they had uh, Batman, different cartoons. But every kid growing up in Buffalo, and I will say Southern Ontario, because the Buffalo TV signals got into Southern Ontario, Fort Erie, Hamilton, Toronto, huge market. In fact, I have plenty of friends, relatives that say, oh, I always watched as a kid, you know, Rocket Ship 7 in the morning and Commander Tom. They were big. And so he also was the, he was not a meteorologist, but he did the weather on the number one rated newscast. By the way, Channel 7 Eyewitness News with Irv Weinstein, Rick Azar, Tom Joles, they were the, they destroyed, I mean, they had like 55, 60 shares. They destroyed everybody. Nothing fancy, no fancy set, but man, eyewitness news, they were everywhere. And they were number one for well over 25 years, the the trio. And Tom Joles, Commander Tom, did the weather outside. Whether it was raining, whether it was storming, whether there was snow, there was sleet, he was outside. And this is rudimentary. This is before all the fancy radar graphics and everything. And he'd always have a weather word for the day. And he had this mailbox outside, and he'd open it up. The weather word is sunny and breezy, or it would be cold and snowy. And he always ended his uh, broadcast, and many said, may you have a, may your weather, we have a lugubrious, or a, uh, a salubrious day. He was known for that, and salubrious means healthy, a healthful uh, type of day, salubrious weather, healthful weather. He always was no, uh, noted for his uh, salutation. And growing up as a kid, Commander Tom, to me, was an idol. And they always would say, somewhere in a secret location in Western New York. And I always asked my mother, where is it? Where's the location? And this was big. And he had uh, Maddie and Dust Mop, these like uh, puppet characters. Every kid growing up in Western New York, Southern Ontario, watched the Commander Tom show on WKBW-TV Channel 7. And he wore this red jacket. It was a button-up jacket, almost looked like a military jacket. He had these gold epaulets and this gold, these like the ropes. I don't know what you call them, but it comes from the epaulet down the side of his shoulder. And I mean, as a kid, you watch that and you're like, wow, Commander Tom. He was huge. And when I was 15 or 16, I got an internship. I took a tour of the, and that's really how I got into broadcasting. I took a tour of the brand new WKBW-TV studios in downtown Buffalo. And I saw the newsroom and I saw what was going on. I'm like, man, this is cool. I want to see if I can get an internship. And it took me a year of calling every week to the newsroom administrative assistant who administered the intern program. And she said, look, we only do it for college students. You can't, you don't qualify. I called her every week for it got to be at least a year. Every week I called her, and I even remember her name. I won't tell you her name, but I remember her name very well. And one day I called, I said, you know who it is? I'm just calling again. She said, you know what? You caught me at the right time. You're such a pain in the ass. Tell you what, 
come down after school on Wednesday. Great. Took the bus down from school. Met with her. I remember walking in the newsroom and I saw the anchors, Irv Weinstein, Rick Azar, Tom Joel. Saw them all. Saw the reporters. I'm like, oh, there's some big story going on. She goes, all right, you really want to be an intern? I said, yeah. She goes, great. Saturday Saturday morning, 7 a.m. to noon. I'm like, done. I'll start this Saturday. And I did. And I would either take the bus down or my dad, when he was heading out to make his rounds at the various hospitals, would drop me off on the way. And I'd either, he'd pick me up on the way back or I'd take a bus on the way back. I wasn't the driving age yet. Learned a lot, did everything, thought it was fantastic. And then I started working one after she came to me and said, look, if you want to work another afternoon, you know, after school, I'm like, yeah, definitely. And while all these college interns kind of came and went, I was there always dependable and I'll never forget. Well, I got the opportunity to meet these anchors. Irv Weinstein, who legendary, great gentleman. Rick Azar. I'll never forget. Rick Azar did sports for years and years. Giant cigar smoking between the 6 and 11 o'clock newscasts in his office. And he always said, what are you doing, kid? How's everything, kid? Super nice guy. And one day I had to go from the newsroom down the hallway to the control room. And every afternoon we picked up something called the ABC... DEF, which was the ABC Network Daily Electronic Feed. And every day, I think it was like 4 o'clock, there would be coming off the satellite or whatever it was, they would have various news stories you could run in your local news. And it was always usually narrated by one guy. This was Tom McDonald, and you know I remember that name, and there was a couple other guys. And I'd have to log it. Usually we'd run for about half an hour. I'd log every story, how many minutes it went, you know, and then they also sent B-roll, which is just generic footage, no audio or just sound on tape. I would log that and I would bring that back into the, into the producer. I'm walking to go get the ABC DEF and I'd always go a few minutes before because I'd like talking to the engineers and learning about some of the equipment and everything. And I'm walking by one of the studios, Studio B. And I happen to look inside. I see the light, bright lights, the TV lights on. And I look inside and I see... Commander Tom. He's wearing his red jacket with the gold epaulets and the gold rope. I see the set. I stopped in complete amazement. My jaw dropped to the floor. I literally was in awe. I didn't move. And I I remember saying to myself, I can't believe it. It's Commander Tom. It's Commander Tom. And he was just wrapping up. He came outside the, the, the studio and I looked at him and I said, Commander Tom, it is such an honor. And I shook his hand. His name is Tom Joles, nicest man, nicest gentleman around. And to have that honor, to be, and I, I remember kept yeah, Commander, every time I see him, I'm like, Commander. I never called him Tom. It was always Commander. Because to me, he was the Commander, Commander Tom. He was an idol as a kid growing up. This week, he passed away at the age of 89. He is inducted into the Buffalo Broadcasting Hall of Fame, the New York State Broadcasters Hall of Fame. He had an absolutely incredible broadcast career, uh, working first in radio in one of the northern Buffalo suburbs. Then he worked for WBEN AM and TV. And then in 1965, joined WKBW, where not only did he do the weather and the Commander Tom show, he was the main voiceover uh, uh, artist for uh, station promos, for upcoming events. His voice was synonymous with Channel 7 WKBW-TV. Passing away at the age of 89, Irv Weinstein passed away and Rick Azar a number of years ago. They were 
absolute giants, legends, not only in Buffalo, but people in the industry, broadcasting industry knew who they were. But as a kid growing up, Commander Tom was the bomb. So I dedicate my cigar. I, I raise my cigar. I raise my freshly brewed mug of espresso. Mm. And I say, Commander Tom, cheers. May you rest in peace. The amount of pleasure, of joy you gave me as a kid and every kid growing up in Western New York, Southern Ontario is absolutely beyond belief. No ifs, ands, or buts. So I wrap it up on that note. I will tell you that I've loaded with more material I couldn't get to. I will do another show early in the week for you. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Hashtag make America great again. Hashtag save America. Hashtag Trump 24. We have only begun to fight patriots. <laughs>